You're listening to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus a priority in their lives. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Todd Lesher. It is always good to be with you. Today's topic is for dads. We are talking specifically about the gospel-driven dad. What does it take to be a gospel-driven dad? What are the marks of a gospel-driven dad? And when I think about that topic, um, I kind of have some things to compare it to in my own life. And when I look out at the dads of our culture or our country, or just, you know, out in the world around us, and I, I see different examples of Dad's trying to be dads, but getting confused as to the best way for raising and influencing their kids. And so I think we see kind of the the control freak dad, the appearance-based dad, or the approval-based dad. Maybe there's the accomplishment-based dad. And so whatever category you resonate with most, I think the gospel-driven dad balances things out, straightens things out, and gives us a better, higher, uh, not a more perfect, not an easier route, but a, a more impactful way of raising our kids, influencing our families, because our strength and our vision is reliant on God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit alone. So today, I've asked uh, one of my friends, a co-partner in ministry for many, many years to join us, and someone who is trying. And that's all we can do to be a gospel-driven dad is my friend, John Shepard. John, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for having me, Todd. Yeah, man. Well, John, let's get started. I've given a a lengthy intro here. So tell us a little bit about yourself to get the ball rolling. Sure. Sure. Um, so again, my name is John Shepard. Uh, moved out here about nine years ago uh, from Denver, Colorado, with my wife and my son. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in Reno, Nevada, okay. not really knowing the Lord mm-hmm. at all. Um, I, I shouldn't say that completely. I mean, we 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 go to church. Uh, had great parents. Um, Dad was an airline pilot, and so when he was home and on Sundays, if then we'd go to church. But if he wasn't home, we didn't make much of an effort. Mm. Ended up going to a Catholic high school, which really kind of just ruined any sort of, of relationship that I had. I was never mm. good enough to be in that club. Yeah, uh, Couldn't take communion because I wasn't a Catholic. Uh. So really kind of turned me off from the church. And then things just kind of continued to spiral and, and didn't really have a relationship at all with the Lord. Mm. And I got married in, in 1995. I ended up with uh, two beautiful daughters, one born mm. in 1997, the other one in 98. Um, and then ended up into a divorce in 2002. Hmm. Uh, it was unfortunate, and, and um, just a lot of things really just kind of came to a head at that point. Um, still didn't have any sort of a walk, and I ended up meeting my wife now. Uh, her name is Kendall, mm-hmm. and she was the one. She, she looked at me and said, you know, I think you need to have Christ in your life. And I said, who? Hmm. Well, what, what's this? Uh, yeah. and, and she kept dragging me, and, you know, let's go to church. Let's go to church. And and I, and I went along with it, and and we ended up getting married in 2004. Mm-hmm. And she kept trying to get me to go to church, and I and I'd go a little bit reluctantly, and and she'd keep pulling me, keep pulling me, and okay, we'll go, we'll go, and I don't know about this praying stuff. And mm. the whole time, as I got closer into any sort of relationship, it was really 
combativeness almost because bad things would be going on uh, for me and difficult challenges, and I was blaming God. I'd look yeah. at Kendall and just say, "Why? Why am I? Why is this going on? Why yeah. me? Why is this happening to me? Yeah. Why? Why me? All this bad stuff. Is there such a good God? Why is all this bad stuff mm-hmm. continuing to happen to me? Yeah. And she didn't really have an answer, and and we struggled with with infertility. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wanted to have a, a, a child in the worst way, and mm-hmm. and 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 we were trying and. Yeah trying and trying and trying and, and nothing was coming about it. Yeah. And, and I was blaming God mm. the whole time. And at that point, I was really even to the point of telling her, you know, why are you so involved in God? Right. All this bad stuff, why are you doing it? Mm. And, you know, it came down, we ended up going to fertility doctors and, yeah. and they, they basically said, you've got one resting follicle, there's, there's no way you're going to be able to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at the idea of adoption or even doing um, a egg donor. Right. And we chose a path of going down an egg donor. And my feeling behind it at the time was, God, I'm taking this into my own hands. Hmm. I am going to do this. We are going to go find an egg donor. We are going to then, I, I, there was a company up in Washington, D.C. that can separate out your swimmers and mm-hmm. you can have what you want. And I said, I've got two beautiful daughters and I love them, and, and, but I really want a son. Yeah. And so we had it all set up. We ended up finding a donor uh, shortly after we met with the fertility people, fertility doctors. We were about two months away from being able to harvest her eggs. And I had I was set up with my appointment up in, mm-hmm. in D.C. to get that all done. And, and she ended up getting pregnant. Wow. And for the first time, I, I looked at God and I said, why, why me? Why are you giving mm-hmm. me this gift? You're showing me this grace. I didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. I've been fighting you. I've been telling. Yeah. I've been going against you. I've been telling, mm-hmm. uh, telling myself there can't be a good God. Right. And I'm at the same point even trying to tell my wife, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, what are right. you doing here? Right. right. You know, you're yeah. the one that wanted this so bad too, yeah. and yet now all of a sudden he gives me this beautiful gift. Mm. Yeah. And then just to show off, and it was a boy. Mm. So he was, he was born in, in 2008. His name's okay. Trent, mm-hmm. and um, he's continuing to grow. Yeah, he's continuing to grow. Yeah, and so along that journey, it sounded like the pregnancy. Well, really, it sounds like Kendall you know, was God's <laughs> gift. Yes. to you, right? Life was a gift to your family, your daughters, your um, probably even first marriage was, you know, in some way ta- teaching you, drawing you towards God. God is continually. God is like a, you know, the the cosmic magnet, just yeah. drawing all people to himself. So from there, from, you know, your your marriage with Kindle and then the birth of Trent, when did faith take hold? And it was like, all right, I surrender. God, I'm done fighting against you. Now I'm giving my life to you. You know, it's been a, it's been a continual process. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one that started off very slow. It was, you know, I'll never forget the moment that, that Kendall said she was pregnant and, yep. you know, came in with a little stick and we said, yep. okay, well, we got to go to the doctors and figure out if this is real or not. Mm-hmm. Experiencing the grace for the first time, I said, okay, God, you're there mm-hmm. and you've given me grace and what can I do? What can I do? What's my next step? Mm-hmm. And we, we're going to church, continuing to go to church. Yep. And I had a different feeling about going to church at that point, mm. uh, a little bit more into a trusting, but it was still, I don't know anything about you, God. I don't mm-hmm. know anything about the Bible. Yeah. Uh, and then I was presented with an opportunity to move to, to Charlotte. Yeah. 
And one of our important things after we moved here was to find a church. Yep. And so we went around, we looked at a couple different churches, and, and we came in to Forest Hill, and, mm-hmm. and I said, this is home. Yeah. And, and so my walk has just continued to mm-hmm. develop mm-hmm. through then. Yeah. What about the, the part, you know, when you mentioned Catholic school and that you weren't good enough? I mean, it sounded more than just communion. You weren't good enough to take communion, oh, right? Yeah. But what about just your view of God? And a lot of people, I would say both men and women, but I know I've dealt with this in my own personal faith, but when did you start to grow in understanding that you can't be good enough? You can't do enough to please God. You can't do enough to get on good terms with God. You have to receive something differently. And it sounded like grace was starting to you know, break in, but was there a moment or a realization in that story? You know, there really wasn't any one specific time that I can mm-hmm. think back at other than you just kind of looking at my journey over the past mm-hmm. eight years yep. and, you know, really kind of kind of walking in a road of, of going down a road. And, and, I, and I, I do remember kind of hitting a path mm-hmm. and saying, you know, I need to please God. Mm. And I kept trying to chase and, and how do I please God? How do I continue to please God? Yeah. And I kept running into walls, mm. and and I was confused. You know, what is God's plan for me? Yeah. Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to be doing? Uh, I want to follow you, God. I want to go for you, but what's my? What are you trying to tell me? Yeah. And it wasn't until I really figured out what trust was, mm. and reading through a couple stories in John really kind of hit me. Yeah. On I need to trust Him. And it wasn't until trusting him that then I figured out that, you know, as a byproduct of my trusting him, I was pleasing him. Mm. And then I you yeah. know, really kind of saw yeah. that I, I, I'm never good enough. Yeah. I'm never going to be in that, in that realm. Yeah. But, you know, it's time I could, I could take off the mask that you've been wearing, you know, walking around saying, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine, and, and kind of move on. And, and once I started to trust God and getting into there, it's really kind of when I felt like I was really able to develop a better relationship. Yeah. And that, uh, trying to flesh that out in my mind is to kind of give those listening a perspective, this, this mentality of I have to please God to get into a good standing with him, that's, that's still in our control. That, that's still yeah. on us. Like, I'm doing this. Like, God, why don't I feel like I'm pleasing you? Right. And he's saying, no, no, let go. Let me take control of this. Right. So in some of the ways that... You were still trying to control oh, the situation here. Um, and even when you were talking about infertility and pregnancy, you were like, God, I'm taking this into my own hands, right? right? I'm kind of done with you. And But God said, ah, <laughs> oh, man, right? I'm not done with you, John. Right. Ah, goodness. Yes, exactly. And that's really kind of where, where it led. So you started, uh, once you moved into that trust space with God, it, things started, you know, I think you and I started getting to know each other a little bit around that period of time, a little bit after Trent was born, uh, you got involved with our student ministry right. at Forest Hill. And that seemed to be kind of an outflow of trust. You're like, okay, now how do I give this away? And so tell us a little bit about your time with our student ministry. Yeah. Plugged in there. Well, actually, I think at that point, it was one of those things I think I was trying to find in order to please God. Oh, okay. What okay. can I do to uh-huh. please God? And, mm-hmm. and, you know, it wasn't really until I got into yeah. Leading with advance, yeah. and and starting to realize some of my own hypocrisy, mm. that it really started hitting me. I need to start trusting him more. Yeah, you know what are you trying to do with me? But I, I loved advance. That was yeah. some of the best years I've spent. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, that was that was. Special. And you started with a sixth, seventh, uh, seventh grade, seventh, seventh grade, grade boys, boys group. group. And yeah. you went through with them for six years until they graduated. Until they graduated from so high school. And you and still I got to share that them. moment. Yes, yeah. you were still in relationship with them. It's yeah, fantastic. we started off here at the, at the South Park campus. Yeah. And, yeah. and we, we had a group of, of, of five guys that were Fort Millers. Uh-huh. And, it, you know, they were the, we called them the Faithful Five. Yeah. yeah. They were here every week. Yeah. And after the Fort Mill campus opened, then they wanted to go down to, to Fort Mill. Since, mm-hmm. I mean, they lived down there and, and right. it made sense for them to be there. And, and and I kind of begged and said, hey, uh, do you guys mind if I continue with you down there? Yeah, and yeah. they said, oh, we'd love it. And yeah. I remember that you and I got together and said, yeah, said, yeah all good. Start yeah. coming down here and, and walked with them and still yeah. walking with them. Yeah, and I yeah. still keep in touch with them. And But but during that that whole time period with them, is really were, kind of light bulbs started going off saying, mm. trust. Mm-hmm. Trust in him. Yeah. Yeah. And probably... You know, there's a part of it that it, if I were to place my own experience on it of going in my own journey, my, I, I definitely wrestled with trying to please God, but I wrestled more with trying to save people. And, and that's where I had to grow yeah. in trust. And that set me free to go, just watch God. Just yeah. be faithful with what he's given you. And he gave you the faithful five. Right. You know? And exactly. trust me. And I, you and I both have seen some incredible things happen in those those men's lives, you know, oh, yeah. um, in, in in really incredible ways. But that wasn't the end of it, you no, know. No. From there, so this trust was just breaking down walls and really like opening your eyes to see a vision for you in a couple of ways. We'll we'll talk about family, but just to kind of um, you kind of see where your story's going, you you've kind of entered into uh, what's known as radical mentoring, right? Um, in, in that ministry. And so how did that come to be and, and where's that going? Yeah. So, you know, after, after my guys graduated, mm-hmm. I, I, I struggled with, well, do I, do I start over again? And well, I'm not the youngest guy in the room anymore. And, <laughs> and <laughs> trying to deal with some middle schoolers, I don't, I don't know if mm-hmm. I really could have done that. And I said, mm-hmm. well, you know, maybe, you know, maybe I need to look into something else. And, mm-hmm. and God really put it on my heart that, you know, some of these younger men, they were in the same place that I was in. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody else to help guide them along. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the stats as far as kids, when they, they go to college, they get off to college, they end up abandoning their faith. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, close to 80% of them yeah. that go to college with faith end up abandoning it during college. Yeah. And, you know, what's there? Maybe there's a program I can get involved with mm-hmm. after, you know, for, for guys that have been through college already that are starting families. And, yeah. And you know what's there in their life, and and I was I was shocked to find out there really isn't anything. Mm. You know they've walked away from their faith, so they're not going to church. Yeah. So where are these guys? What are they doing? Yeah. Um, a lot of seeking going on, but not getting back into the church. Mm-hmm. And during my search, I ran across this program called Radical Mentoring. Yeah. I said, Wow, this is this is fantastic. You know, it was more of a program that's introduced into churches. And, yeah. And and I looked at that and I said, you know, this is I think where where God's calling me. And I just it was really on my heart to pursue it. Mm-hmm. So I ended up starting up my own ministry yeah. uh, called Connecting One to that basically wraps the radical mentoring program around in it, in order to take a couple older guys mm-hmm. and lead a, a small group of guys uh, for a period of a year, yeah. really with the focus of getting them into a Christ centric life or a mm-hmm. gospel centered life. Yeah, yeah. And so now you're you're working on that now, but something along the lines of what you mentioned and some of the stats that you've shared with me that kind of propelled you 
in this direction also have influenced you as a dad. And that's where I would love to, you know, kind of lock in here is how has your spiritual growth, kind of your understanding of the gospel influenced you, uh, not just in your life and in ministry, but how has it influenced you in your family and as a dad? Sure. Um, yeah, the stats are, are unbelievable as far as the as, as far as the importance of having a dad, mm-hmm. especially who's a spiritual leader in the family. Yeah. Um, one of the stats that I looked at showed said that uh, it was a small percentage if, if a kid if a child is the first one to convert to Christianity. You know, I want to say it was about a nine percent chance that the rest of the family would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if mom is the first one to convert to Christianity, it was about a thirty three percent chance. I think is what the stat said. Uh, but if dad is the first one to convert to Christianity, it's 96% mm. chance that the rest of the family is going to convert. Yeah. So it was astronomical as far as you know, the way that, that the importance of the dad. Uh, yeah. The other big stat that I was reading was if, if dad is active in the church, it was a 96% chance that the children would continue to stay active in the church. Wow. Uh, regardless of whatever mom was doing. Mm-hmm. And and it didn't hold true. The same stat didn't hold true as far as if mom was the one who was active in the family or active in their faith in the family. Um, so when you put those together, it really just kind of laid out the importance of dad in the family. And I, and I look back at even at, at my dad, and even though we weren't, you know, real churchgoers, mm-hmm. uh, just looking back at the way that he showed me unconditional love when mm-hmm. I was an absolute disaster and yeah. would do things that you just kind of shake your head out and go, what are you doing? And yep. and he's there to pick me up and bail me out. Yeah. And even when the story that you shared about your faith journey, it seems like that men are the hardest stones to get rolling. Oh, they you are. Know? Or, yeah. the, you know, the hardest heart to soften in that way. So it, your journey has been an ongoing one here. And as your mind has open and kind of your heart has embraced the gospel, what would you say a gospel-driven dad looks like, or what are the marks of a gospel-driven dad? Wow, that's a, that's a great question, Todd. Um, you know, to me, I, I think the first thing that we need to be is, is a gospel-driven man. Okay. And we yep. got to look at it from that perspective first. Mm-hmm. And we've got to get ourselves into what is the gospel and what is it like to be a gospel-centered man? Yeah. And you know, really in order to do that, we've really got to understand what Christ did for us. Mm-hmm. And, and once we do that, then everything centers around that. Yeah. And the way that we, we treat other people, the way that we treat our wives and everything else becomes more gospel-centered. Mm-hmm. And we're able to then reflect that onto our children to become a gospel-driven dad. Mm-hmm. And everything that we're doing is centered around the gospel. And, yeah. and being able to lead by example in that way it turns us into a gospel-driven dad. Mm-hmm. That's best best way I can look at it. Yeah. So, what in particular about the gospel for you, if you were to articulate that for the, for our listeners and for dads specifically, that they can latch onto? I mean, the gospel is huge, but we can simplify it. But for you, what have you latched onto that is inspiring you to be a gospel-driven dad? You know, I think it's the fact that that God is my dad. And the way that he's treated me and, and what he's given me, uh, I want to be able to emulate that back with my son. Mm-hmm. And knowing what he's done for me yeah. and being able to continue to drive me is what I want to be able to turn around and give back to my children. Yeah. And, and leading by example there. Mm. For me, 
uh, there's two big phrases that from the gospel that really influenced me. Uh, you know, through the through the gospel of John, the book that kind of encompasses the, mm-hmm. the story of the gospel of Jesus's life and ministry, um, you hear that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Right. And the side of I heard truth a lot, you know, what I wasn't doing right, that I was a sinner. <laughs> right. And I was like, okay, I, but what about this grace side? And for me, being a Christian or having a relationship with God was a lot like what you were talking about, and it was performance based. Right. And so I wasn't doing enough, and I probably was never going to be able to do enough. So why not just give up? Until this phrase, I don't know where the phrase came from, but the phrase is, grace takes away the pressure. And so to use some of your words, grace takes away the pressure to please God. Yeah. Grace takes away the pressure to convince God that I'm good enough. No, God has done that for me. Grace says God has made you good enough because what Christ has done on the cross and through the resurrection right. for us. And then the other one is, and I heard this as a church, this would kind of be my conversion moment, 19 years old in college. And I heard this pastor and he said, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. That was a game changer. And that's where I could trust. Okay, so all of me and all my, my rawness, my brokenness, my sin, love hasn't changed. And so that has compelled me as uh, to pursue being a gospel driven dad. Yeah. No, that's that's great. I, I think I think you really hit it with grace. Mm-hmm. You know, it's experiencing that grace. We're getting what we don't deserve, mm-hmm. and and yep. there's so many times. And I've actually got Trent will come around and 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 he'll know he did something wrong, and yeah. and he'll come up to me and said, you know, "Dad, I did this, but can I have some grace?" <laughs> <laughs> and I look yes. at him, and it's yes. so hard to say, "No, you yep. can't have grace." <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, give me all the grace you got. Yeah. Oh man, more more than I ever could handle. Well, let's get, let's get personal. Let's get practical. So we take this and kind of, you know, the principle of being a gospel-driven dad, being inspired by what Jesus has done for us. Well, now we're dealing with imperfect people. <laughs> yeah. You and I, to start with, right, we say over and over again here on the podcast, there are no perfect people, therefore there are no perfect parents, and all of us know we have imperfect kids. Right. So how does a gospel-driven dad handle imperfect children? I think first we got to realize that we're all imperfect, yep. just like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, we we look at our kids and and you know we got to love them at the same point. You know, yeah. I I, I kind of think back and say, well, what would it be like if if when when Trent was born, I looked at him and said, oh wow, you little imperfect, you know, <laughs> sinner. <laughs> yep. You know, what are you gonna, yeah. what are you going to grow up yeah. to be? You know, yeah. no. I mean, we looked at him and and loved him and 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 cared for them and mm-hmm. and you know really kind of walked with them. Yeah. Um, you, you know, in that regards. But, you know, we look at it and say, how do we handle imperfect kids? I mean, I, I'm still waiting on somebody to write that book for us and, right. and, and figure it out. But I think it's, it gets back into the same thing that we're looking at mm-hmm. as far as being gospel-driven men, mm-hmm. that we're working on ourselves yep. and saying, hey, I've experienced grace. Yeah. You know, you've experienced grace. And, you know, we've got to look at our children at the same point and say, do they deserve grace in this? And, and how do we love them unconditionally and still maintain discipline? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I look back at my dad and, and boy, there were times I, I definitely did not deserve grace, uh-huh. um, you know, or his mercy, yeah. you know, and, and look at it and say, boy, he, he should have just taken me out back and, and, mm-hmm. 
Um, but you know, he didn't, he loved me unconditionally. Yeah. And I think with the same thing holds true with our, with our kids that even when they're imperfect, just as we are and continuing to fix our imperfections, yeah. just keep walking with them and, and show them the grace and, and we've still got discipline, but, mm-hmm. but we can also discipline in, in ways that shows our love. Yeah. And to connect it back to your story, right? Where God is your heavenly father right. did not give up on you. Right. And <laughs> He gave you a long leash, right? You know? <laughs> long leash. <laughs> and that we have these moments as dads where you're like, ah, you messed up again. If you mess up again, fill in the blank. Right. It's like, did God give that to us? Right. Right? And so, yes, absolutely right. You know, it in those moments, the discipline is appropriate. But when I started out this, the, the intro here is, what's your motivation as a dad? Are you control freak? then those imperfections, you will try to force them into a mold. Right. Are you appearance-based or approval-based? Then all those imperfections, what you'll try to lean into what drives you as a dad. And so when you come back to, we start with grace, and then we kind of understand the where it kind of fleshes out when it comes to what does my child need in this moment? Do they need, you know, grace and they need that, that moment of, okay, uh, we're going to let this one go. Yep. Or how can I intersect this moment to teach, to uh, to train, to coach my child, yep. instead of just to slam, right. right? You know, God has not slammed us. Right. So Yeah. And he should have many times. Absolutely. He could have. <laughs> Very well could have. Yeah. Well, what about the frustrating moments? So you have imperfect, dealing with imperfect people, but you and I have, you know, I walk in my house and I'm like immediately frustrated. I'm like, ah, right. what, what, what is my problem here? So how would you say, how does a gospel-driven dad handle frustrating moments in parenting? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's tough. There's, we all get it, and, mm-hmm. and, and we're definitely not perfect. And, mm-hmm. and there's times I absolutely lose it. Yep. Um, you know, I, I wish I could say that, boy, every night when I come home, everything is just perfect. But yeah. you know, that's just never yep. the reality, and, and, there's, and there's frustration. And, you know, it, really for me, it's, it's being able to just sit away and, and pray, Mm. Um, and, and a lot of times what I'll do is I'll grab my son with me and, and, and just, and we'll, we'll go for a walk or something, mm. yeah. uh, and sit down and, and even just sitting on the rock and, and we've done this before. We're just taking some funny pictures, you yeah. know, of ourselves, yeah. but we'll sit there and just, and just talk a little bit and pray. Mm. Um, and, and that usually takes care of a lot of the frustration yeah. that kind of goes on around our home. Mm. Um, you know, and it's also, sometimes it's just good just to have a little bit of space, yeah. um, and just go off and, and, and just be quiet mm-hmm. for a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think everybody needs a timeout. Right. I, I wish I could have a couple more a day, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough and I'm still trying to figure out how to handle some of that frustration, yep. but it really gets back in. A lot of times I have to just think back and say, you know, God's dealing with me mm. and I'm gotta be frustrating him. Mm-hmm. So, how do I handle this? Yeah. How would he handle it? Because I do the same thing. Right. I'm, I'm one of those guys and I, I've learned, right? We've learned through failures and in those frustrating moments, I'm like, man, if I yelled really loud, it would solve everything. <laughs> everything. Right. But we know it only <laughs> seems to, you know, escalate. increase, escalate the, yeah. the frustration. And so we could, ma- we could have made this podcast, the gospel driven parents, right? We'll, right? we'll probably do that at some point. On, uh, on in the future, but there has to be an in for your spouse. Yes, right here of going. I see you're getting frustrated. Take a break. Right. 
Yeah. And let your spouse help you win. Yeah. Right? And as gospel-driven parents, there is that. You're sharing this. You all are one in this parenting effort that just frustration more often than not, you know? <laughs> but for you to go, hey, I'm, I'm about to lose it. I need to take a break. Yeah. You know, so that you can cool down, so you can pray, so you can gather yourself, so that you can walk back in with grace or walk back in with you know, a level head to give the moment what it needs. Right. No, and I mean, and you really said it too. Also, I've come home sometimes, and mm-hmm. and Kendall is just pulling her hair out trying to get homework done <laughs> yep, with, yep. with him, and 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 she's losing it, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's clear, and so I'm like, okay, why don't you get a timeout, <laughs> and and, yep. and we'll finish up and and, yep. and take over, and yep. and you know, I'll I'll give you a little bit of space, and mm-hmm. and and just let you. You've been dealing with him, yeah. For, for a while now with this and, and let me try to take care of it and yeah. usually about 15 minutes later I'm calling her saying hey, can I get a timeout uh, now yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep yeah it's like gospel driven team right you know, in some exactly. of those ways yeah. too well one of the verses that you know, this podcast just made me think of is Romans 116 which says I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for the salvation of all people how can dads apply this verse to being a dad uh, and that's a great verse. Um, you know, I think the, the, the first thing that it starts off with is don't be ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. You know, wear it. Um, let our kids see it. Yeah. They they learn by example, and they see everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's that country song. I, I forget what the name it was, but, you know, I, I was watching you, Dad. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he said a bad word, and uh-huh. I was watching you. And, yep, yep. and you know, goes in there, and, it, and he says, in, in the song, it says, you know, I'm praying. Well, mm-hmm. Where'd you get that from? Well, I've been watching you, Dad. Yeah. I mean, they yep. see everything that we do. So, you know, first off is is, is we can't be ashamed of the gospel. Mm. And when it comes up, we got to be free to be able to talk about it. Mm. Um, and and even if it's our friends or family, but that our kids are seeing it mm-hmm. and and they're watching it. Uh, yeah. We need to be able to. You know, the, the other part of it is we we got to be able to train up our children in His way. And and, and you know, part of the proverb says we're to train up our children in his ways. Mm-hmm. And as we train them up and lead them to Jesus, yeah. we can also trust in the fact that he has the power and that he is the way to their salvation mm-hmm. and that he's taken, taken that part of it off. And we just need to just help push our kids a little bit towards Jesus mm-hmm. and making sure that they have that relationship and trusting that God's going to take them the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah giving up control. And giving up control. keeps going back to trust. It does. And I, I appreciate that you started with the ashamed part because, you know, to be direct with dads here, do not be too cool for the gospel. Exactly. Or do not be too prideful for the gospel. Yes. You know, that, that sort of stuff. We go back to the that sometimes men are the hardest stone to get right. rolling or the you know, hardest heart to soften. Uh, but that that's a great point. To, and it's you don't have to be perfect. But to be honest, if you know, for our children to say, I want to live this way, and I know I don't on a daily basis. But that sort of vulnerability to, in our weakness, he is strong. You know, right. the, the Corinthians tells us that probably speaks volumes yeah. in some ways. When you said something in there that, you know, dealing with our pride, um, you know, even for me, there was a time I wore a cross in the necklace, and, and there was a time that, boy, I, you know, I, maybe I ought to cover it up if mm. I'm walking into here and. And, you know, now it's, you know, I'll wear it, wear it mm-hmm. freely. And, yeah. you know, if anybody asks me, you know, why I wear it, I'm, you know, ready to tell them, you know, I, it's yeah. a reminder to me of what Jesus did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have, a, I have a good friend of mine that, that whenever he introduced me, they said, well, how are you doing? And he says, I'm saved by grace. Yeah. 
you know, and, and it's, you know, it's that unashamed pursuit of the gospel yeah. that it really shows through. Seriously. Well, tell, tell our dads listening, how can they show kids the gospel, their children, in some practical ways? Sure. Um, I think the first and foremost is, is how we treat our wives. Mm-hmm. Uh, God gave them as a very precious gift. Yeah. Uh, I remember one of the things that really has stuck out with me is several years ago on the first men's retreat that we did, mm-hmm. um, Brian Goings was, was the, the speaker there, and, and he talked about your wives as a fine piece of china. Mm-hmm. And when you get to heaven and, and God asks, you, know, you turn, you say to God, you know, here's, here's your daughter back. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to present her back as a fine piece of china or all broken up? Mm-hmm. And it's been an image that's really stuck with me. And, yeah. you know, how do I treat my wife? Uh, because I know that my son's watching mm-hmm. and he's seeing how I treat her. Yeah. Uh, if I'm going to be yelling at her all the time or beating her up or being controlling towards mm-hmm. her, you know, how's that going to reflect on, yeah. on him? And his, and so really being mindful of, of how I treat her, mm-hmm. um, you know, how we serve at home. Mm-hmm. Are we demanding of our wives, you know, mm-hmm. bring me my dinner, or, mm-hmm. you know, kind of right. that old caveman uh-huh. thing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, are we serving them? Yeah. Uh, you know, as well as serving them. Um, the big thing that we've done in our house is how we serve mm. just outside our yeah. home. Yeah. Um, so whether it's how we're serving at the church or, or serving the poor, uh, we got very involved a little over a year ago uh, with the, the Room in the Inn mm-hmm. program yeah. uh, that Urban Ministry does. Uh, and we got pretty involved with, with the Harris YMCA yeah. and, and their, the way that they've been able to implement it in. And it's been something that, that I, I've, I've kind of pushed myself into some leadership with it. Um, and I, we take, we've, it's turned out to be family night yeah. that we go and serve the poor. That's good. And yep. we spend the Saturday night with them, and then we get up early. We, we come home, get about four or five hours worth of sleep, and mm-hmm. we're back in there in the morning, wow. uh, Sunday morning, to do a worship service with, with the neighbors and, and, mm. and have breakfast with them. But it's gotten to the point where, where Trent, he gets <laughs> mad at me if, if we don't go. Yes, um, yes. We, we had a... A couple couple weeks, or I guess about a month ago, uh, we ended up having the Cub Scouts that were in there, and there were about 30 boys. We said, you know, it's it's too much to, mm-hmm. to really bring some other kids. And, and he looked at me, and he was mad. Yeah. He said, what do you mean I don't get to go serve the poor tonight? I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, that's, I mean, that's pretty yeah. cool, yeah. you know, to really see that flow through him. And, yeah. you know, I'm seeing a lot of things just out of the way that, you know, we'll read the Bible. Uh, my wife loves to, she get, she gets up in the morning and, and reads the Bible and, mm-hmm. and, and he'll come down and, and see her reading mm-hmm. and, and he'll see me in prayer or, mm-hmm. you know, or reading the Bible. Yep. And he's getting to the point now where when he goes to bed, he wants to read his devotional mm-hmm. and he wants to read the Bible. Yep. And so it's really just a byproduct of our faith. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. It's it, the theme here is it's all revolving around the grace of God. Right. right? So that, we are receiving grace and then we're giving it away. And that sounds like what you're doing in your home with, with Kindle, you know, and with Trent. But then as a family, you're doing that. You yeah. know, and you're dispensing God's grace freely right. to others as well. Yeah. This has been awesome, John. That's been fun. Why don't you uh, give our parents listening a last piece of encouragement or advice? Sure. You, you know, really just comes down to dads. Uh, you know, it's, it's time that, you know, that we take control and, 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 and lead our family the way that God wants us to lead it. Mm. Um, you know, Jesus said that we're to love our wives as he loves the church, mm-hmm. and we need to be able to take that. Yep. Um, it, once we kind of move into that trusting area yeah. and we're able to receive his grace, 
we'll continue to expo- expand on that, mm-hmm. and it flows through. Um, yeah. But it's important not to get discouraged. Yeah. Um, you know, find out where you're at. Get involved in life groups. Mm. Uh, find the community that, that really helps you thrive mm. and just continue down that path. Yeah. Well, let's pray to wrap this up. Please. Heavenly Father, thank you for dads. Thank you for the privilege of being a dad, being called dad, and being able to have one of the greatest influences over the lives of children in the world. It's, it's incredible. And I pray for the dads of Forest Hill Church that we would be gospel-driven, motivated by what Christ has done for us, how our Heavenly Father sees us, how the Holy Spirit supplies all that we need. So that I pray that we would put aside pride and fear and ego or being cool or whatever it is so that we can be the best dads possible to our kids to our spouses, to our families, and really to this world where you have placed us. Thank you for this time with John. It's been awesome. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Dad on, dads. Parent on, parents. You got this. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you showed your support by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast on iTunes. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org.